you're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer, and I am here after a two-week hiatus with my usual partner in crime, Matt Hartwell, but also a couple of very special guests. We are in the back end of a home-and-home podcast crossover with our very good friends, Andrew Bailey and Jared Stormer. What is up, dudes? How are you guys doing? I'm good, man. You know, living the dream. You know, to, uh, we're, we're kind of in our own two-week hiatus right now. We're off this week and next, just kind of resetting the batteries, getting ready for the build-up into the season. But, I mean, life is good. Can't complain. Gentlemen, if we combined your looks and your charm, you'd be a third of the way to Matt Damon. So, that's saying something. <laughs> Matt, any any comments on that? Uh, just glad to be back, man. Happy to have these two strapping gentlemen on the show with us to uh, do battle once again this week. So ready to get to it. Well, heck yeah, man. I was doing what every self-respecting Michigan football fan should do this week. I was listening to the Out of the Blue pod, which of course, that's Andy and Jared's podcast. It's a, a must-listen-to pod for any Michigan fan. And right off the bat, I heard some big news on this podcast. So Jared's going to be officiating Andy's wedding, which is huge news. And Jared doesn't know this yet. Andy and I got together before the pod and Andy wanted to announce uh, something to you, Jared. He's going to go ahead and move his wedding up to November 25th of this year. (laughs) Just so so you guys can celebrate on that special day in November. How, How does that make you feel? Look, I uh, I know that there's an established definition of terrorism, but people that schedule their <laughs> weddings during college football season are terrorists. So uh, that's how all I have to say about that. And I know for a fact Andy would never do such a thing because he is, in fact, not a terrorist and uh, bleeds actual red blood. <laughs> did Did you hear that, C- cousin Nikki? You are a terrorist. I'm just I'm I'm calling out my cousin that doesn't listen to this podcast. I had to officiate her wedding during the Maryland Terrorist. game last year. It was oh. it, it was night. That's ridiculous. Yeah, he would never do such a thing. So I mean, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to wake up pretty early to sneak in a, an Andy Bailey trait by me. Get out of here. That's my boy. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Matt and I want to start this thing off just like you guys do with some quick hits. We've each got a couple of questions for you guys. I hope you came ready to play. Before we get started, I want to let you know there are some rules on the BHB podcast. The first rule is there will be no pro-Ohio State propaganda on this podcast. It'll get you kicked off immediately. And the second rule is there's actually no rules on the BHB podcast. So don't worry about anything. Absolutely anything goes. I love it. No touching of the hair face because look at that part that you have going on right now. You can't see it, but this man's part. Whew. Baby, that was not done with a chicken bone. That was meticulously done. I take my follicle game incredibly seriously, gentlemen. I can All tell. right, let's uh, let's kick things off. I'm I'm just gonna go straight with basketball because our our whole podcast is basically football related this week. Um, I want to know. I'll start with you, Andy. How many wins does the does the 2023 Michigan basketball team get? <laughs> The Tennessee transfer, you know, kind of bumps that total up. I think we're pushing 17 now, you know, maybe right in the 15 to 17 range. I'm not going to get too high based on where the team finished last year, and there's a lot of depth concerns all over the place. So I'll go right around 500 this season. 
Jared? Is that to me? Same question. Yeah, the range is anywhere from 3 to 23, so it's certainly a fascinating question. I'll go a little bit more optimistic because I want to like tune into this season. I'm going to go 21 wins. I'm going to go just over Andy's threshold of acceptability. I'm intrigued again. Like, and that's, that's really at least enough to keep us tuning in. And that's what we wanted. You know, it might really get ugly early on, but there's a chance it's exciting a couple months into this thing. So we're heading somewhere. And then Matt, we might as well, uh, you know, circle the wagons here. What are you thinking? How many wins? Uh, might as well. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt just because I liked how Michigan performed last year without uh, Jet Howard, obviously, Kobe Bufkin was still there. But uh, I think this Michigan team has some fight without some of the stars at the forefront. So I'm going to give them a little bit over 500, let's say like 18, 18 wins. You know, and I, I could see him going into the 20s. I'm a, I'm a hopeless optimistic when it comes to my Michigan sports. Oh, I'm going to say Maybe they finish the year with 19 and sneak into the tournament, maybe go on a little run. I do think it's funny that the sky was falling and everybody's ready to fire everybody. And, and then we get uh, the commitment from this Tennessee dude that's like, you know, he, he's a solid player, 10 <laughs> points a game. And, and then everybody's like, we're back, baby. Like, we're going <laughs> to win the whole thing. Everything's um, fine, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to tell everyone that we back up. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Matt, you got some quick hits for us, man. I got one. So last year, we saw a parade of quarterbacks during Michigan's season opener. Jared, how many quarterbacks see the field during Michigan's home opener against ECU? Oh, just the home opener. That's a great question. Um, I, would, I thought you were going to give me throughout the course of the season. J.J. McCarthy, Davis Warren, Alex Orgy, and uh, don't we have a guy named Jack Tuttle on this team? Isn't that Jay a guy? Tuttle. Yeah. Jay Tuttle, baby. Yeah, like you, sweet nickname. You really uh, strain the mental muscles for that one. Uh, I'm going to throw Jay Tuttle on there, too. Jay Tuts. Uh, give me four. <laughs> I like it. Andrew, what do you say? I'm going to push it up to five, I believe. What game was it? Was it uh, UConn last? They played eight. I mean, getting into the Jaden Denigals of the world. I mean, just deep Ooh. in the bag, just pulling players out. So I'm at least say five play in this game with the line set around 36 and a half right now. I think this could be out of hand in a quarter and a half. I like it. Not quite as much as last year's uh, seven to open the season. Uh, not quite getting into Jaden Denigal territory. <laughs> Uh, just quite yet, but uh, a, a solid uh, group of quarterbacks you guys got starting in the home opener, so I like it. And then let's just keep this thing rolling, man. I, I yeah, I definitely would see four or five. I kind of feel like somebody random like Cole Cabana is going to throw a pass <laughs> just in there. Just, just Harbaugh is just going to say like "fuck all y'all" like and just and just do you know one little Khalil Mullings kind of jump pass situation. Um, all right, guys. Uh, Andy, now for some serious business. Who would you rather get slapped by, Jawan Howard or Will Smith? Oh, Will Smith, easily. Just look at the size comparison. We're talking hand girth. Like, Jawan Howard's hand could go from, like, the right side of my mouth to the back of the left ear. Like, he's going to get whole head in that. We're talking possible concussions, definitely contusion, maybe a few teeth. Will Smith, I'm not as afraid of. Like, I mean, he had a full-fledged and couldn't knock over Chris Rock. I'm bigger than Chris Rock, so I'm going with Will Smith on this one. 
Yeah, this is Will Smith easy. Let's not forget what Captain Stephen Hiller did on July 4th, 1994 to save the Earth from the alien menace. And we always thank Will Smith for that. But let's just be honest here. Former athlete, 6'9", pure muscle, still looks like he could absolutely go out and get you buckets. That guy reaches back, running start with intent. It's over. Yeah, 100%. That guy's taking you down. Loss of teeth is possible. Loss of consciousness, consciousness is probable. You take the Will Smith slap every day, and you thank God that Juwan Howard's not in the building. Matt, are we unanimous there? Are you taking the Will Smith slap? I'm taking Will Smith as well, uh, Mike. I don't want to. I don't want any part of that other uh, nonsense. Well, curveball for you guys. We're not unanimous because I would take the Juwan <laughs> Howard slap, and here's why. Um, Just to I've be met... touched by him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, okay. So we're yeah. You're on the right track here. I've met three out of the five members of the Fab Five, and Jawan is one of the two that I have yet to meet. And I feel like I feel like a slap like that counts as meeting, mm -hmm. so it would kind of it would cross him off the list. Uh, also, I feel like Will Smith has ventured into the like I might stab you kind of crazy category, and so you don't really know what else might be coming after that slap. So <laughs> for me. For me, like I feel like Jawan would immediately feel sorry, maybe apologize, maybe we'd even become best friends. I don't know, but uh, so I'm taking the Jawan Jawan slap for sure. There, strong rebuttal. <laughs> I love it, Matt. You got one more. All right, I'm uh, going with a similar direction to uh, something we'd hear on Andy and Jared's show. Andy, would you rather wrangle an alligator with Hassan Haskins or? Capture a wild silverback gorilla with Makari Page. <laughs> is is the song Haskins like on a swift boat, like croc spotting for me? Like, what is going on with this gator? Like, are we just like, are we gonna sneak up on it and double team it? Um, I think just in terms of like you know, getting to the zoology of this, I have a much better chance of just like getting on top of an alligator, especially with the help of Hassan Haskins. Macari Page kind of lanky, kind of get you know might get torn apart, drawn and cornered by a silverback. So I think I'm going with the gator on this one. I don't like this as a one to one. As a biology major, all right, I think that there's some serious. <laughs> this flaws man knows his way around a zoo. <laughs> All right, I've worked at a zoo for a long time. First of all, you're never going to want anything to do with a silverback gorilla. You would rather, it, like, three crocodiles, maybe, is a, is a fair one-to-one -one comparison here. Uh, you 100% want Hassan Haskins versus a crocodile, an alligator, whatever you got going on. His upper body strength, or how deep is the water that we're in? I like that Andy's thinking about swift boat. Where's the leverage? Can he use his legs? How deep is the muck? Or where are we at? What kind of shoes does he have on? There's a lot of factors that we're, we're going into here. But Macari Page ain't doing shit against a gorilla. I can tell you that much right here and now. Me and Macari Page against a gorilla. That's a loss. That's an L, baby. Give me a plot twist. Jared turns his back on Macari Page. Against a gorilla? Yeah, in the face of a gorilla, that is what it takes for me to turn on Macari Page. You found my limit. Congrats. You know, Matt, I'm glad you brought this hypothetical up because I'm more concerned now about why are there no college teams that have a silverback gorilla as a mascot? In, in like, the training room. Oh, as a mascot. That makes more sense. <laughs> in the training room. Why is Ben Herbert not a silverback gorilla? <laughs> why are we not employing a silverback gorilla? <laughs> I think we lost our friend Andy there for a second. Uh, we'll, we'll patch him back in. We'll give him a second to come back in here. There's my boy. I got kicked out. 
And he's back. Yeah. No, no problem at all. No problem at all. I'll you patch you that weren't back. worthy of that discussion. Basically, we hired a silverback gorilla for the the Michigan coaching staff while you were out. <laughs> I was going to say, what's what's cover two going to do against a silverback gorilla? Like, it's not much. Not much. <laughs> side to side right. speed, baby. <laughs> Moving on into the news cycle, I'm going to just hit you guys with a few things that happened this week, and then we can open the floor up for any quick thoughts before we get into the, our legendary Pump the Break segment uh, that everybody's here for. UMass transfer cornerback Josh Wallace commits to Michigan, and then uh, seemingly right before the pod, I think this was earlier today, uh, talk about a great name. I know you guys are, are interested in good names on your podcast. Uh, defensive lineman Owen Waffle. Flips from Notre Dame to Michigan. You got to believe there's an Elston con- connection there. But uh, Jared, uh, Andy, any any kind of Josh Wallace, Owen Waffle thoughts? I mean, it, it, things appear to be heating up with this this big recruiting weekend. Yeah, I mean, Owen Waffle, they might tell me it's actually Waffle. No, it's not. It's Waffle. I'm telling you right now. There'll be no Christian Browning of the Christian Braun (laughs) name. It's Owen Waffle. We need a good name on this team. We're taking it. We're taking the win on this one. But from a football perspective, the Josh Wallace one is actually big news. And, I mean, immediately is the most experienced cornerback that we have. Andy, I think you, you sent me the stats. I'll let you throw those out there about his level of experience and what he brings. Good size, like, I mean, he played for UMass, so it's easy to scoff that off, but I really think that he's going to come in and probably be the leader in the clubhouse. I mean, this is probably our cornerback, too. I'd be interested to hear what you guys think, but if I were going to put a bet down and you made me put money down today on who starts at cornerback, too, maybe not week one, but the majority of the snaps, I'm probably saying Josh Wallace, so that's obviously a huge get. Yeah, with Wallace, the big thing is he has more career starts than our entire secondary, like cornerback-wise combined. Like, he's a three-year starter at UMass. He's a uh, team captain from there. He's played multiple schemes, survived Don Brown, got the, even got the Don Brown assist coming in, it appears like. So, I mean, he wouldn't come here if Don Brown had bad things to say, so he knows something as well this coaching staff can relate and talk to him about. So I'm very encouraged about this coming in, adding some competition to the room. And as far as Waffle's concerned, I mean, we could even, like, branch into other – breakfast foods here and Brent call them slapjack something like that I don't know just kind of dive into it uh the crepe king I don't know I'm just spitballing here but the names are the names exist and we're gonna have a lot of fun with the breakfast puns Matt yeah I uh and I don't know I'm actually not hearing Andy so I'm not sure uh, anything that he just said it was tremendous but, um, you mi- you really missed out <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I just saw you guys like nodding your heads like in agreement. I'm like, shit, he's saying some good ass <laughs> stuff. It was right fire. <laughs> but if we're talking about Josh Wallace here, I'll just say that, uh, I mean, I've been adamant since I heard that Michigan was recruiting him about uh, that this is a necessary piece for Michigan. And, you know, that's no shade to, to McBurrows or Jair Hill or any of the guys that are in that locker room currently competing for a starting spot, but more just a testament to the fact that you need a starting caliber corner in that locker room fighting for a starting spot. And that's just all there is to it. If your hope is to win a national championship and you're the Michigan Wolverines this year, you're not going to do it by not fielding a complete team at the beginning of the season. And I get that it's a very favorable schedule, uh, leading up so that you're not facing like too tough of opponents in the very beginning. 
it'd be very favorable for building up your your uh, prospects. But still, I mean, you're you're aiming to compete for a natty. Let's get some guys on there. This guy's a two time captain, four year starter, couple thousand snaps or whatever it is under his belt. There is nothing wrong with this guy coming in and immediately competing for a starting spot. And uh, I hope to see him out there at the beginning. And if any of the other guys prove to be worthy, let them earn that spot. Yeah, and I think the spring game had us all uh, wondering if Amarion Walker was really ready to step up into that position. And and plugging Josh Wallace in there is is a beautiful insurance policy for for Amarion's development. So I, I I think we all agree that was a a key addition. And and then with the with all the five stars and and highly ranked four stars that are in Ann Arbor this weekend, it appears that we are not done adding to the 2024 recruiting class. As a matter of fact, we may be nipping on the heels of Georgia uh, by the time this thing is all all, all said and done. So um, definitely, it's it's great to be a Michigan Wolverine in the recruiting world. And then just for our listeners, uh, we're not going to dive into this one, but I do want to just state in case anybody's living under a rock, um, they did release the uh, Big Ten uh, schedule for next season when when UCLA and USC join. There's a lot of interesting matchups, and I think the big news for me was. Uh, they're doing away with divisions. And so that's something that we've been calling for uh, for a long time. I, to me, I think it makes the conference much better. Um, Jared, any thoughts there? A lot of thoughts, probably too much just for a small little segment here. I mean, honestly, this deserves time to talk and ruminate, ruminate about the history of the Big Ten and how much it's changed over the last 20 years and what we're looking at now, which is going to be a dramatically different product. But an interesting product, like it's hard to say that like you're not excited for 2024 when you look at this year and you're like, man, uh, maybe this isn't going to be that exciting for eight games out of this year. Like maybe there's only four, three exciting games in 2023. I think there's going to be a lot more in 2024. So while I don't necessarily love that we're losing the regionality of the Big Ten and we're going like cross country like that, there is something fascinating about USC and UCLA having to travel across the country and play in the snow in Ann Arbor in late November. So it is, it's both, you know, upsetting that we're losing some of that history, but also exciting, man, because that schedule is wild. Like, that is dramatically different than what we're, we're looking at this year. So, I mean, count me as excited, because what else are you going to do, man? This is the schedule. What are you going to do? Just sit and complain about it? Go outside. Have some fun. It's going to be a good time. Right, it just happens to coincide with when Texas and Oklahoma are are trickling into the non-conference schedule, so that you know the the schedule front to back is absolutely loaded. Um, Andy, any quick thoughts there? Yeah, I think it looks worse than it is next year anyway, in terms of difficulty, just because of name recognition. I mean, Texas has been the definition of mid and a budding joke for a while. I don't have a lot of faith in Steve Sarkeesian. UCLA is basically Minnesota with better colors. Uh, USC struggles with physicality and has no fans. So it's like there's different things to go back and forth. I'm excited for the future, man. Like I'm with Jared in the sense that I'm going to miss the regionality of it, like watching Pac-12 after dark or the Big Ten in the afternoon and stuff like that. But, I mean, you have to embrace it at a certain point and just kind of go with it. So I'm excited for what the future has to hold. Matt, you feeling good about that schedule? Yeah, man. I mean, as an old school college football fan, you know, you hate to see some of like the old tradition die. But what it does is it really just opens everything up to chaos, which as college football fans like we also love. So 
I'm a huge supporter of it, a huge proponent. I think that uh, it's going to unlock a lot of doors for this conference, and we're going to see a lot of crazy shit, so buckle up, I guess. <laughs> buckle up, indeed. All right, let's move on to what we're all here for. We are going to commence to uh, get, it, get a little pump the brakes segment going here, and for any, any listeners of the Big House Bleachers podcast, you guys are very familiar with what pump the brakes is. But let me go ahead and outline it just for anybody that doesn't know. Um, it's very simple. Uh, I, one of us will bring a take to the table and then give the others an opportunity to either say pump the brakes if they disagree or keep driving. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and spare the listeners our loud screeching brakes sound effect because I'm not trying to grind up the gears too much with all four of us on the podcast. I'm not really sure what would happen there. So we're, we're going to ride without the sound effects today. But it, it's pump the brakes or keep driving. We, we've each got about five players that we're going to make some statistical predictions about for next season. And then we're, gonna o- we're just going to open it up. This is Royal Rumble. Um, I'm, you're, we're not going to be going like in order. It's, it's, it's just we'll, we'll let, let the person give the take and then we'll open it up to the other three and, and we can fight over the microphone, whatever. It doesn't really matter here. So let's jump right in. Gentlemen, are we clear on the rules? We good? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm about to invade you guys like Poland. (laughs) All right. Highly doubtful. Highly doubtful. Here we go. Uh, Jared, since you're you're so eager to get going, let's start with you. Uh, You went ahead and picked Mason Graham for your first prediction. What do you got for us? Look here, you giant group of idiots. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, I've got... I'm I'm obviously pretty high on Mason Graham, so uh, I'm going to throw the stats out there without context and see how you guys take this. I guess this is probably a middle-tier prediction here for Mason Graham. 34 total tackles, four and a half sacks, six tackles for loss, two passes defensed, two forced fumbles, one forced recovery. I think that I'm going to put him above Brian Brise's final season at Clemson, just across the board with stats. I'm also predicting he will be one of PFF's highest-rated defensive tackles and will show up on mock drafts for the following year, starting this year. And for, for first-round draft consideration, I might add. Keep well, I'm going to go ahead me. and I'm just going to jump in and pump the brakes on Jared just to start. But I'm not going to do it in a negative light because Ooh. I, too, am a huge Huge fan of Mason Graham, and uh, I think it's going to be similar to how Jared, how you see it. Uh, but I think that we may even see him go just a tad, just a tad above your expectations here. Um, I think the dude is just an absolute animal. He gets a lot more penetration than the traditional, uh, <laughs> than the traditional D lineman. So I really guy. like his game. I think, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I think so, that uh, we're going to see a lot of good things out of him, and I think that he's going to surpass your expectations just a smidge. So you're saying pump the brakes, it's time to accelerate. Why don't we just accelerate? <laughs> yes. Why don't we just accelerate the brakes? Sweet. I think he's li- no, Jared, lightly you did, really, you did a really good job with this because it really fits into like what I see as like the second level, the second defensive tackle number, very similar to Mozzie Smith this year, because in terms of productions, we're going to talk about the guy who was above them later on. But no, this is very good. And I think tackles for loss is the number he took the biggest reach on. But I see it just based on his game. Yeah, no, this was based on like the numbers from last season. So the numbers from last season right here, 
27 total tackles, two and a half sacks, one pass defense. The tackles for loss, like you said, the biggest jump by far. But it's the Chris Jenkins theory that Chris Jenkins is going to be taking a ton of attention. If you don't put that attention on Jenkins, you're absolutely screwed. So I think Graham eats. Andrew, let's move along to you. You you have uh, the Irishman, Peyton the O'Leary. Banshee. <laughs> All right, so this this one's going to be delicious. Jared loved it as soon as I picked him first, and we were doing our draft of which guys we wanted, and I went with a guy completely off most people's boards. So with Peyton O'Leary this year, I'm predicting 22 catches, pump the bricks, 300, <laughs> 330 yards, and three touchdowns. Yeah, I'll pump those bricks. I mean, 22 catches? Yeah, wide, wide receiver number three. Average wide receiver number three the last two years has been 21 catches for Sainer still in 2021, 25 last year for Roman, 305 yards for Mikey and two tutties, 376 and four for Roman. So I'm going right in between them. All right, first of all, he needs to win number three. So that means no Tyler Morris, no Darius Clemens. So that means absolutely they're not getting any touches. What's that AJ does not Barner? mean they're not getting any touches. It just means he beats him out for wide receiver three because Mikey Sainer still was in the mix almost as like wide receiver five at times in 2021, but just third in production. Fair enough, but you see a, a you see a Colston Loveland jump. That means there's probably an A.J. Barner. There's got to be catches like a sign for A.J. Barner. He's in the schoonmaker role. I mean, I just 22 catches for Peyton O'Leary. I love this. You are planting your flag on this island. I absolutely love it. But you think I'm not going to pump these brakes? We came here to we came here to battle, baby. Let's go. <laughs> We're hitting the gas all the way to the floor with Peyton O'Leary. And yeah, all of this is based on him winning wide receiver number three over Morris. Don't even mention Darius Clemens to me until he makes a real catch, please. I, I just can't anymore. Like it's it's fairy tale. <laughs> it's fairy tale land. Like I want to see it, but show it to me. Like after O'Leary just. I don't know what we'd call it. It wasn't like a torture chamber. Maybe not like the Spanish Inquisition, what he did to Amarian Walker in the spring game, but damn it, it was close. And it was over and over again on so many <laughs> routes. You've heard about the jump balls and what he can do in the red zone. So put it all in on Peyton O'Leary. I love it. Yeah, I'm from Texas, and you can be uh, locked up for two to ten years for doing what Peyton O'Leary did to Amarian <laughs> Walker around here. I, I tell you what, boys. Um, And after you guys hear my... J.J. McCarthy uh, stats, which you guys are already kind of familiar with my take on J.J. McCarthy this year. I, I can't pump the brakes on any optimistic wide receiver numbers because if I do that, then there's there's not enough to to feed my my you know J.J. for Heisman campaign. So I love the um, Matt, the agenda pushing. It's like, well, I can't push too hard on this one because it hurts my agenda over here. And it's bunch of politicians. <laughs> bunch yeah, of politicians. Yeah. I'm just here for reality. I'm here to win. Yeah, we'll we'll bookmark we'll bookmark that comment. We're gonna be taking receipts, Jared. I I I definitely feel like we're coming back to that one. Matt, you feel good about what Andrew said? I do. I uh I mean I thought of pumping the brakes a little on the catch total. I honestly don't know if I see him as wide receiver three, but I think he's earned himself some snaps this season. And uh I think that it's not too far off of what, what Andy's thinking. So I'm gonna just stay with that. Well, I think I listened to his interview on Jansen when I was writing this, and it was just like crushing up Peyton O'Leary bath salts and like huffing it while I was doing it because it just injects so much life in you the way he talks about the game and like physicality. So maybe I am optimistic and caught in the moment. I love yeah, it. Matt and I, Matt and I have a Darius Clemens, Tyler Morris ongoing bet for who's going to be that third receiver on the team. He took Tyler Morris. 
I took Darius Clemens, and so it would not surprise me at all if Peyton O'Leary just went ahead and got it for you know to spite both of us. Um, it's actually Christian Matt, Dixon, guys. Christian yeah, Dixon yeah. for the win. <laughs> Matt, you went ahead and uh, you know picked our, our guy Orgy in the end zone as your first player. So why why don't you give us your ridiculously high, overly optimistic, ludicrous predictions for Alex Orgy so I can pump the brakes on you here? About to take you guys to Orgy Town, baby. <laughs> I've got Alex Orgy, and I used... I'm not even going to explain it right now. I'm just going to let you pump the brakes on me. Uh, Alex Orgy, 30 of 35 this year. 60 carries. <laughs> or not, yeah, 60 carries for 300 yards, five touchdowns. <laughs> Holy shit. Pump the brakes, man. I need the sound effect. I need the sound effect. I I, I spoke in. too soon. Yeah, no, we didn't. No, it's 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 in nowheresville right now. But yeah, I, I, I'm gonna pump the brakes. Uh, I love Alex Orgy, but we're in trouble if he if he's getting that those kind of snaps this year. We are in 35. deep deep trouble. And just to explain it a little bit. I use 2021 JJ numbers to kind of reference a little bit because I do think that there's a place for Alex Orgy on this team getting consistent playing time. I do. And and anyone can really like hate on me if they want for it, but I think the kid's an absolute weapon. I think that he offers a lot that even 2021 JJ didn't. And I think that he suits a lot of what they do in the run game. So on my projections, I've got him way down from 2021 JJ in terms of completions. I think that he'll sling it a little bit, but where I think that they find a use for Alex Orgy is in the run game. And I do think that there's a package for him that we see. And I think that he racks up a couple hundred rushing yards. And uh, and we even saw JJ account for five touchdowns uh, during his, his 2021 season as well. So... I don't think that it's a far cry from what could be done. I think he's got all the intangibles to do it. It's just a matter of if Michigan is going to put him on the field to do it. A package Andy and for- I, go ahead, Jerry. Oh. oh, I mean, Andy and I both think there's that guy that's going to take a couple goal line touches. He's a Kalel Mullings guy. So your point's well taken. There are going to be some goal line touches that aren't Corum or Edwards touches. So, like... Those numbers definitely need to be, the brakes need to be pumped a little bit. Let's at least start feathering the brakes. We, we see the red light off in the distance, but I, I see where you're getting at. Sorry, Andy, go ahead. You're good, man. I'll say a, a package for an orgy is a prerequisite for success, and I think we're going to find that in the red zone. And the one thing with him I think would be, I think this team would really be just well-served if they line him up kind of like how TCU did Max Duggan or how the Eagles did this year with the kind of push formation. Like, you put Alex Orgy's big ass under center and then have Kalel Mullings or Max Bredesen pushing him, no one is stopping that inside the five-yard line. So I think the only reason I'm really pumping the brakes on this take, though, is the passing numbers. If he throws 35 passes this season, I might be in the hospital. I don't know what is going to happen with that, but I could definitely see like a sneaky five, six touchdown seasons from Orgy if he's used in the right package. Well, and the more I let this settle in, Matt, I'm, start- I'm starting to come to your defense in my mind because I started, I'm, I'm thinking about our schedule and those first eight games, like we might be on QB three or four for like the entire second half of some of these games. And so the more, the more That's I think I'm about saying. that, it's... yeah, it's it, it, like if, if all goes well, uh, he's going to be getting some snaps and some, you know, 
50 point games maybe um that's it still seems high though it still seems high so it may be a little high but you know they're gonna have somebody in there in garbage time it could end up being davis warren it it could it could end up being orgy it could be somebody else you know but i do see michigan prepping some kind of quarterback in waiting uh while Jaden davis is uh is kind of warming up next season so I don't think it's crazy that that there's going to be some kind of quarterback that's getting a little bit of substantial run. It all just remains to be seen if it's Alex Orgy or not. Moving on to the first transfer in the conversation, I went ahead and and picked this guy up because I'm I'm a little, uh, it's a little puzzling. It's also exciting. Nobody really knows quite what what to expect, but we know this guy's going to be, uh, you know, really good on the field. So transfer Ernest Hausman. Uh, played his freshman season at Nebraska, and I, I believe it was on uh, the Out of the Blue podcast. I pr- I project I think I picked him to get a hundred tackles when I when I spoke to you guys. I have since um, come back down to earth a little bit on that. That was a <laughs> that was that was full on Junior Colson uh, status. Uh, but I am gonna I am gonna stay really high on on Hausman here. I'm gonna go ahead and say eighty five tackles, uh, twelve tackles for loss. This season, which that, that's 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 a you know a pretty high number there, because uh, I do think he'll be in the backfield, and I'm gonna say two or three. Let me, let's go three uh, forced turnovers. Right, he's gonna he's gonna take the ball away three times this season. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? <laughs> I think everyone's still digesting what it is. I'm, I'm I'm slowly tapping the brakes on the tackles for loss right now, just because that's an absurd. That's a really high number. I don't say absurd. It's a really high number for a linebacker, especially. And talking about what we're going to get from the defensive interior this year and the bevy of pass rushers, I don't know how he's going to be used in the backfield so much. So right now, I'm just I'm slightly tapping the brakes. But you're kind of you're kind of pulling me in there on the rope a little bit. I think you're I'm close. Subtly- yeah, I'm sorry, I, I think you're. Go ahead, buddy. No, sorry about that. Yeah, you're pretty close. I just pulled up a random year because that's sorry. Like that's what I was looking up is like what is a normal tackle for loss year? And uh, 2016, just a random year. Ben Gideon 15, Mike McRae 13 and a half, Jabril Peppers 13, Taco Charlton 13 and a half. Could Houseman get 12? Yeah, that seems that doesn't seem crazy far fetched. So I'm not gonna pump too hard here. I'm actually a lack of pump. <laughs> I'm going to say go ahead and keep your foot right above the accelerator. Keep on cruising. That is the one thing I did not expect to hear Jared say on the podcast tonight is I'm not going to pump too hard right now. <laughs> you know me well. <laughs> it's, I think the only reason I push back a little on the tackles for loss because like 16 and 17, 16 is really an outlier year. Like I was just looking as well. And like McCray has the numbers in 17. But then eight, that, that's the last year a linebacker goes over 10. Like the next year in 18, Devin Bush only has eight and a half. The year he was a heat-seeking missile. And I think that's more of a product of what was around him. And I think Hausman could be the victim of the same thing this year. I pretty much based that prediction on one play. I, w- I went back and smart. watched a little bit. Uh, <laughs> smart, yeah. <laughs> I went back and watched a little bit of that Michigan-Nebraska game. And when I see a guy track down J.J. McCarthy on like outside the hashes by, behind the play. line of scrimmage, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, Jesus Christ! Like there, are, there are definitely some some Bush isms about Ernest Hausman. He he has some Devin Bush qualities about him. Now I don't know if this season we're going to see like sophomore year Devin Bush, but you know, 
but I think Bush was in the nineties his sophomore year. We could see we could see Hausman in the eighties as far as total tackles goes. No, I, I don't hate it. I love that game you picked too because it really felt like Hausman got up for it. Kind of like he really found his stride in that game. It was a big moment for him. He played his ass off, and I think that was the exact game when everybody at Michigan was like, "I would love to have that player on the field too." So no, although I'm, I was kind of giving you a hard time about picking the one play, chasing down JJ McCarthy is no small feat, and that's something that stands out on tape. All right, um, Jared, I believe you're up with Makari Page. Uh, oh, I thought we, you know what? I'm fine with Makari Page. Let's go ahead and skip that other guy because I'm here to talk about Makari Page. Um, uh, look, let's not get into the fanfare. Let's just get down to brass tacks here. 54 total tackles, three interceptions. Oh, I have, I'm going to take this number up. Let's go five passes defensed, a force fumble, a touchdown, first team, all big 10. Let's go. Actually, probably... Let's be reasonable. I don't want anyone to pump the brakes. Second damn team, it, all Big it. Ten. Second, <laughs> yeah, second yeah. team, second team, all Big Ten. God, you were, you were, uh, yeah, man. That was, that was a good pull by you because you were throwing a no hitter, and then you got to first team, and I was just about to slam the pump the brakes button. But yeah, now too many other good safeties. Them. Well, Rod yeah. Moore takes one. Rod Moore immediately takes one. So yeah, exactly. I'm right, not pumping I think the brakes a- on uh, Jared Stormer's uh, Macari Page clinic that he just put on. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and it sounded like you were prepared to go with a different player. Maybe my notes said the wrong person, but you pulled out some oddly specific stats for a guy that you were not prepared to uh, to defend. There. Oh, he's so, he's but. on my list. You think I don't know what I expect Macari Page to do next year? <laughs> you can come up to me at Chipotle and ask me, and I'm going to be ready. <laughs> Jared's just yelling at the poor Chipotle guy about Macari, <laughs> Macari Page, the past defenses. <laughs> more pork also at least six passes defense <laughs> i said second team all conference lady listen to me add the pickles <laughs> pickles what, chipotle what order chipotle, yeah what chipotle are you going to andrew got the pickles built, built different down here <laughs> <laughs> all right andrew let, let's keep it uh let's keep it in the safety in the safety range i think rod moore is your next guy right Rod Moore is my next guy, and this is going to be a really, uh, a really fun one for me because it's, it's hard to place him historically, and we'll get into some of this in a second. I'm going to give you just the raw stat line. 85 tackles, three tackles for loss, five interceptions. I'll pump the brakes on the 85. If it's 85, that means things aren't going great up front. I actually don't want my safety getting 85. So I'll pump the brakes because things go well in the linebacker core. And this isn't like a a, a knock on Rod Moore. I just don't know that that many are going to get past him. So he, I'll, I'll, I'll pump the brakes. So my pushback is he had 71 last year, became only the second yep. player since 2000, have over 70 and four picks in the same season. And yep. I think without DJ Turner there and an extra game in the season, he's going to eat up a bunch more tackles. Uh, I get it, but also better linebacking core by a thousand percent. Like this linebacking core could be really next level. Um, we like the front four, I think, a little bit more. I mean, I think that it's an upgrade this year, Jenkins and Graham from Mozzie Smith. I think there's an upgrade on the line. Um, I think second year Will Johnson counts for something. I think bringing in Josh Wallace as an experienced tackler. I just don't. I don't like the tackles. I think as a player, he's going to have a better year. I just don't like tackles going up. No, That's my how, how dare you say anything <laughs> negative about his numbers? No, you were not allowed to do that. No, it 
justification makes sense. It's kind of what we talked about uh, with Michael, with Ernest Hal or with uh, yeah, Ernest Hausman, the players surrounding him, kind of taking some of that away. So if he gets the 85 tackles, it could just be like the the season we're all hoping he has in a way. Like it's that all-American highest level kind of caliber season. Or if it's lower, it's because the front seven's really doing their part and he's not having to get involved as much as the safety valve and the defense. But I like there hasn't been pushback on the five picks though. Yeah, I'd be really nitpicking if I uh, were to oppose your take, Andrew. I, I've been seeing a lot of the stuff that's been coming out about Rod Moore, and I am buying everything that they're selling about that guy. I mean, he he seems like he's uh, he's coming in hot for a great season this year, and I think we're really going <clears> to <throat> watch him uh, do some pretty incredible things. So I don't think I'm going to pump the brakes on any of it. I, I see Jared's point about the uh, tackles a little bit, but... I mean, overall, if the message is that Rod Moore is going to have a great season, I'm not pumping the brakes on that. Yeah, I'm not pumping the brakes on you either, uh, Andy. I, I really think five is a I mean, he's going he's going to turn the ball over. I think we know Rod Moore is going to be rocking the buffs uh, at least a handful of times. I think five is a, a, a safe and optimistic number there. Uh, the tackles are a little high. Like, I guess technically I disagree with that, but I don't think it's enough for me to pump the brakes. Also considering you, you almost have to apply a multiple to every single statistic that we do today because uh, we we all, I assume, expect Michigan to play 15 games in the season. And so if that happens, you know, guys are going to have more tackles. Guys are going to have more catches. Guys are going to have more of every statistic, good and bad. Um, so I could see him possibly getting that high, even though I think I think uh, back in the 70s is is probably a safe answer, especially because of what Jared alluded to. Is We don't really want that guy's that deep in our defense. Well, also, though, I mean, it could be to Jared's point as well that favors mine and saying the front seven is so good at stopping the run. Teams are passing more than normal. So there's going to be more opportunities for him to make tackles in the secondary, a la like Ohio State or teams like that. I don't well, need but, that. Well, but then they would have to complete the ball in order to get tackles, right? That's so true. I, so that I, is so true. I'm, I'm hoping... I'm hoping if teams are airing it out that we're, you know, we're locking them down a little bit better than that. I agree. I, yeah. A lot of, I agree with everyone. Everyone's right. Let's just have fun. I hope both teams have fun. <laughs> All right. And then Matt, let's, let's move on to the guy that was obviously named after uh, Gus Cornelius Johnson. Uh, don't fact check, check me on that, but uh, Cornelius Johnson is his name. Uh, what kind of statistics do you have predicted for him? Yeah, for uh, Cornelius Johnson, this is the point in the draft where we all just started kind of picking all of our favorite players. So I went with uh, Cornelius here because I foresee him having a great season as wide receiver one this year. And to that point, I'm going to give him, and this is also bearing in mind that I also foresee a postseason run here with these statistics. So keep that in mind. Uh, Cornelius Johnson, 61 receptions, 950 yards, nine touchdowns. That's pretty nice, man. That was much more conservative than I expected that's, you to go I, there. Yeah, that I was. That's, yeah, that's, I was that's kind of four digits on the receiving yards. I mean, that I mean, <laughs> not nine touchdowns is the only one that gives me reservation, but not enough to pump the brakes. I think it's a very, very good line. No, I, I kind of actually want you to accelerate a little bit, but even I can't quite get there because I'm kind of buying into CJ being a little bit better than we've always believed. 
Um, and, you know, part of that's the apology tour. But, I mean, we saw it later in the season. Like, the guy can be a little bit more dynamic than we all gave him credit for. Is that dynamism going to, you know, show up again next year? It wouldn't be the craziest thing ever if he's a little better than we all gave him credit for. Kind of like Darbo and Chesson when they came in that year. And we we're like, we didn't expect much from either. And they were both really good. The psychology for me behind it is that here's a guy that has led the team in receiving. You know, we forget about Ronnie Bell being yep. hurt. Cornelius led the team in receiving that year. You know, he came dangerously uh, close this year with his total, you know. So I think that uh, he's right there in line. He's probably one of the most overlooked players on the team uh, and the dude doesn't do a whole lot wrong. You know what I mean? We didn't, we haven't seen a whole lot from him, but Michigan just doesn't uncork a whole lot from the passing end of things. So I think that uh, he will be wide receiver one. I'm buying a little bit of the Kool-Aid that Jim Harbaugh is selling about the 50-50 run pass, not entirely, but I'm giving a little bit of that to uh, to Cornelius Johnson's favor this year. And I think that he's finally going to uh, benefit in a way that gets him close to a thousand yards receiving. Well, I think we are all in agreement here, Matt. You, sir, are a genius. Um, and in order for Cornelius to get those types of numbers, um, he's going to have to rely on this guy. Nice segue. Um, I, I, I should really, I should really have saved this guy until the end because of how passionately I feel about him, but. Um, this is where I drafted him, so we'll go ahead and keep this as the order. Um, I've got a lot of predi predictions about our friend J.J. McCarthy, quarterback of the Michigan Wolverines. Um, I'm going to stay consistent with the ridiculously high numbers that I said on uh, the Out of the Blue podcast about a month ago. I'm going to give him 3,700 passing yards, 37 <laughs> touchdowns. You heard me right, 37 touchdowns. I'm going to say the interceptions go up slightly. We're going to go nine interceptions because I think he's going to be slinging it. Um, I'm also going to give him. Oh, God, this is I, this is what I wrote. But now that I'm reading it, this is bad. This is bad. Um, <laughs> I, I'm also going to give him five. I, I wrote 500 rushing yards. That seems high. He had 300 um, last year. <laughs> yeah, he had 300. OK, so I'm going to I'm going to stay with this 500 rushing jump, yards. Though. And and six rushing touchdowns because I feel like he's just going to be running all over the place. So so yes, I am giving JJ one of the all time great the Heisman college <laughs> the football Heisman. seasons. And and let me let me tell you guys this. So you might be asking, and, and I'm going to defend my take to the fullest before I even let you guys talk. But uh, so so this run the damn ball Michigan offense. Like how is JJ going to get these kinds of numbers? And you got to remember, we're not talking about logic and. Uh, statistical analysis with this guy like this is destiny this is jj mccarthy we're talking about this is uh, you know the the meditating messiah the happy-faced assassin the the only guy that could serve you a an overdone steak and for you to just nod and smile and say mm, this is good you know <laughs> like like i'm like i am never ever going to say anything bad about J.J. McCarthy. He can take my daughter to the prom if he wants. Like, I don't, I don't, actually, no, he can't. My daughter's like 18 months old. He can't, he cannot. I, I take that back. Steer it, but, steer it. Steer uh, <laughs> Let me, let me land this thing. Let me land this thing. Julius James McCarthy III will be the Heisman Trophy winner this season. Don't you dare pump the brakes. 
You sons of bitches. <laughs> that was, that was Who's awesome. gonna be the one to do it? <laughs> that was awesome. Michael, you always just you come with the gas, man. I gotta I gotta appreciate you I love for it. that. That I was awesome. It. Um I'm gonna sacrifice. I'm gonna push back on the touchdowns. Pump the brakes on the touchdowns just because I think especially down near the goal line. A lot are going to be eaten up by the running backs, by Alex Orgy possibly. I just don't know if that many is going to be there. I do anticipate a new school record because our school record is abysmal, but I expect it to be a little bit lower than yours. But I like where your head's at on this. And again, that model, that was like the network speech. I mean, just pounding the table. That was awesome. Uh, look, guys, we're going to know the answer to all of this, including our how many quarterbacks play early on in the season. J.J. sticking it out late in these games that are blowouts. They're pushing for a Heisman season. Expect the records to drop. They take him out early in one of these games after 160 and two touchdowns. Don't expect that to happen. We're going to know within three games what J.J. McCarthy is going to do. My guess would be they value the championship. J.J. sits. J.J.'s numbers are about what they were last year with, I think, increased efficiency few more touchdowns than last year, but he needs to get, what, 400 more than John Navarre did and John Navarre's single-season record. I, I want it to happen, and I said so on our podcast, but on your podcast, since I'm coming into your house, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to take off my shirt in your house and say, unfortunately, we're going to run the damn ball, guys, and uh, we're going to sit J.J. early on, and we're going to play a ton of other quarterbacks. Matt, I need I... you. Mike, I'm sorry. I also got to <laughs> pump the brakes on you, buddy. Uh, in our house, I'm also pumping the brakes on I'm also taking my but, shirt uh, off. <laughs> you know, and really, like, it's no uh, testament to whether or not I think that JJ isn't going to be great this year. But for me, if you're giving him 3,700 passing yards, I mean, that's right on par with, like, CJ Stroud of last year. And I just don't know if I want Michigan's offense to look like that, uh, it, that different from what it is now. I just don't know if I, I want to see that much of a, a differentiation between the two. So I'm going to pump the brakes on you. And uh, I mean, please forgive me, JJ, but yes, I, I am regrettably pumping the brakes a little bit. I just hope we can buck the trend this year and that our highest output in terms of passing yards each of the last two seasons have been losses like Michigan state in 21 TCU last year. And that is, I mean, just kind of sets up the recipe for how to take down this team in a way. So hoping we can at least buck that trend this year, put a couple 300, 300 yarders on the board without taking the loss. But I want to I see mean, him break that touchdown record though. Oh, absolutely. All of us that, do. that record sucks. Yeah. I, 30, <laughs> 30 would be just fuck that record. Yeah. Ex- yes. Yeah. 30 would be great. I mean, but if we are getting Alex orgy, 30 pass attempts, I mean, it might eat into that. We scoring 76 a game? What are we doing? That's what we're doing this year. I mean, let me just wrap up by reminding everybody that Joe Burrow threw for 50 passing touchdowns in a season. Uh, and I, I know I know the LSU offense, a very, very Reasonable different Reasonable to compare. Yeah. <laughs> very different offense. But, I mean, I, I just I have a feeling that this is when – this is the season when Michigan takes the next step in their evolution – you know, I feel like from 2021 to 2022, we saw uh, a, a little bit of a an arc towards the back end of the season where Harbaugh and the coaching staff were willing to, pl- you know, toy around with some slightly different formations, maybe get a little bit creative. Yes, running the ball is our identity, um, but I'm hoping that, uh, like you, like you alluded to, Andy, that we can actually win games um, 
being a pass-first offense at times. I'm not saying I want us to be a pass-first offense, but at times. So what, what we shall see. One of the craziest things Sharon Moore did from 2021 to 2022 was Michigan's offense stayed the exact same in terms of total offense. They were number 24th in the country, but they went up 10 spots in scoring offense because of the efficiency. And I don't think he's going to be willing to sacrifice that too much. All good points. Yeah, all good points. But again, um, beautiful monologue, man. You, you, I want to give it to you just for that, for the presentation, for the pageantry, for the comparison to Joe Burrow. Like, that was awesome. Oh, this will be, like, cut and, and pasted and blasted on social so everybody knows my stance. And, and then when he actually does get exactly 37 touchdowns this season, we're, we're throwing it out there. And if he doesn't, then I'll just, you know, we'll, I'll just never mention it again and nobody will worry about it. So. <laughs> safe, safe, smart. All right. Michael Barrett is returning for his like 11th season. Uh, Jared, you've got some stat predictions on him. Yeah, came into the program when MASH went off the air, and uh, my dad's a huge fan, so shout out to my dad who listened to our podcast and said, good for you for standing your ground on Michael Barrett against the villainy of Andy's onslaughts against Michael Barrett, a known Michael Barrett hater. Um, no, but Michael <laughs> Barrett, man, I, I just, he's done a lot of winning, so I'm not going to give up on this guy. I'm happily going to ride the accelerator on him, but I'm going to ride the accelerator by predicting down totals in some categories for 2023, um, but not impact wise necessarily. So I'll go 64 total tackles, two and a half sacks, three interceptions, three passes defensed. How about let's go two force fumbles. Or maybe two force fumble recoveries. Let's go two fumble recoveries and a force fumble. I think he's going to do other things. I think that his intelligence, and they're going to be able to use him in spot duties, but being a senior out there that can move and can cover a little bit, like he doesn't do anything extremely well, but he does everything pretty good. He's like the Kobe Bufkin, a slightly less athletic Kobe Bufkin on the defense. Like you want a guy like this on your team. So I think that those numbers represent a valuable, valuable contributor. They're not crazy. Some of those are actually up from last year's numbers too. Not the tackles though. I'm going to pump the brakes on the tackles. That was the one that's going to hold me up. I agree with everything you said about how he's going to be deployed in packages, how he's going to have a big impact in certain spots, going to kind of play without a governor. Like he doesn't have to be the run stopping instinctual player that he's just not. But, like, I look at 2021, like, third linebacker numbers, like, Nakai Hill Green had 50 tackles. And he was a starter most of the year at times, too, until Colson usurped him and everything got switched around with Josh Ross. And I just don't know if he's going to get over 60, especially with Houseman coming in. So that's the one I'm going to pump the brakes on. I like I'm gonna it. Pump the brakes. Ooh. I'm going to pump the brakes slightly on the interceptions, just because I think that it's more of a, a three-man rotation. Uh between him, Barrett, and Hausman. Unfortunately, Jared, I'm also a huge lover of Mike Barrett. So I am all for him getting all the playing time this year in all of the different capacities. But I just don't know if uh, the emergence of Hausman will allow for him to just kind of let loose and do all kinds of, and make all kinds of crazy plays that he's made the last few years. I hope not, but. I fear a little bit with Hausman that that might be the case. All of your points are well taken. If you can deploy Junior Colson in some edge rushing, edge rushing packages and kind of use Hausman and Barrett 
in like interesting ways that might open things up. I understand where you guys are coming from. A lot of this predictions is like my love of Michael Barrett, um, my belief in like a senior player getting out there and doing like just being valuable. I like the fact that this guy's won a ton. Um, Andy, this is a little side bet for you. There is a type of rum that you can only get in Jamaica. I will bet you a bottle of that rum on the tackles total. It's called Blackwell Rum, made by Ian Fleming, um, who Ooh, created the James, James Bond, Bond series. Yeah, he made James Bond. He invested in a rum that you can only get in Jamaica. How about a little gentleman's wager on the Michael Barrett tackles? What was the number again? Uh, I had 64. You have under 64. I'll take the under. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. I mean, I'll probably just buy it for you for your wedding, regardless, <laughs> but... I, I like having a little little skin in the game. It's um no, I'll, I like everything you said, but in that package you were talking about with having Colson on the edge, why not have Barrett on the edge? From what we saw in the one brief highlight of 2020 in the Minnesota game, what he could do when he was playing Viper, like put him out there to do that, and then have those two playing uh, linebacker. So you can do a lot of things with him. He's such an X factor player. So like I could see. All of, like the big numbers going up. He said force fumbles, uh, sacks, TFL. I can see those just being awesome. But the tackles, I just don't know if he's going to be out there enough for those. Fair enough. Yeah. So maybe I should leverage sacks a little more. And, Could be. Uh, yeah. Also, I mean, also an injury to anybody else in the linebacking core. In comes Michael Barrett immediately. True. So there's that too. Yep. So, but all right, I, that's my point. My case is rested. Yeah, I, I'm actually good with the numbers too. I'm not. I'm not pumping the brakes on that. The one that sticks out is the three interceptions. But it it does seem that they're more comfortable having Barrett kind of drop back into some coverage ish type situations. And so I, you know, I could see that. So. You're getting uh, no pushback from me, and uh, you know you guys heard it here first. Somebody's buying somebody a bottle of rum. We'll we'll know uh, towards the end of the season what that looks like. Um, we'll probably all forget about it, but if not, uh, it it'll no. happen. No. <laughs> Jared and Andy are like, no, you don't know us. Like I've just <laughs> I just I just carved it into my desk. Right? Like, we're still like, this settling bets from like two, like 2019. <laughs> They'll be like, oh, you think Nico Collins got bodied by Jeff Okuda? No, he didn't. And we just yell at each other. All right, moving on to a guy that we're all very excited to talk about this season. Uh, Matt, oh, no, this wasn't Matt. I thought it was Matt because he's so high on this guy, actually. We, he never stops talking about Colston Loveland. Um, Andy, you, you drafted Colston Loveland, and I'm sure Matt was very upset about that. Andy, you got some stats on him? Yeah, this one was really hard to place because it's like trying to balance optimism, like where you're going to get the positional value. I, I do think he's going to be like the hot target for McCarthy. Um, man, so I went with, for Colson Loveland's stat line this season, 45 catches, 650 yards, seven touchdowns. Man, uh, I wish I knew. What, what was Jake Butt? Like, Jake Butt was in that. Well, territory, let me get, wasn't he? Scooney like, last year in only 12 games was 35 catches, 418 yards, and three touchdowns. And he also had Colston Loveland to deal with Eric All earlier in the year. Uh, a, a reasonable stat line for this is what I compared to is Devin Funches in a season had 49 catches for 748 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, this is all under Brock Bowers, like Brock Bowers, uh, last season, which was pretty insane. He had 13 as a freshman. I'm not pumping the brakes. I'm allowing this to ride. Yeah. Keep driving for me as well. Same. Matt's like, right, Matt's well, like, put that bitch to the floor. Like we're going to hit a hundred. <laughs> we're going for a thousand. Loveland for Heisman, bro. What are you talking about? 
I, there I won is. two Heismans. First team to win two Heismans. <laughs> there well, I mean, it is. Donovan Edwards did say he and Corm were going to split it. I think they're right about splitting it. He just had the wrong players. Right. We'll split it in thirds. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and move to the edge, man. Uh, Jalen Harrell. Matt, that's one of your guys. This is tough. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a little bit torn on this because I am very high on Jalen Harrell. But uh, I don't have him like – I know that everyone wants Michigan's next premier edge rusher to have like hutch-level sacks. That is not what this is during my analysis of Jalen Harrell. So I've got him at six sacks, 11 tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, 35 total tackles. And the reason for that – I'll let you guys pump the brakes first before I explain it again. I'm pumping. I'm pumping the brakes and tackles for loss. Pump on the force what was, fumbles. What was the TFL uh, count there? Eleven. That's high. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. That's high. That's a little high. I could see eight. I could see eight. Now, where I thought, it, where I went to with this thought is that uh, I do think that Jalen's going to come out firing this season. I think that he's going to rack up. More than he came up with last season. Uh, I think he'll be definitely more of a presence, but I don't have him taking like a step to any type of superstardom type level just because the guys played a lot of snaps in previous years. You wouldn't think it by looking at his stat line, but he's he, ha- he outsnapped Mike Morris last year. He wasn't far off from Mozzie Smith, actually, who was up there in the 500s, but... Jalen Harrell, like right in the mid 400s for for snap count. So the guy plays a lot. So I don't see him taking like any type of superstardom type step. But I do think that he finds some extra sacks, maybe in some garbage time. Uh, tackles for loss, maybe maybe a little bit high, but uh, he's a very aggressive presence coming off the edge, and I think that he finds his way into a little more of a step forward than uh, than some experts might think this year. We say it's high in tackles for loss, but he had seven and a half last year. So if he has one more every four games, and then or that's already there, not even including you talk about the fifteenth game, so that could be there as well. And to your point, Matt, he has played a lot of snaps. People forget he was starting and outsnapping David Ojabo at the end of twenty twenty one because Ojabo just didn't have the conditioning to stay on the field for a full game. So that's taken. My issue is just the fumbles because he's never forced a fumble in his career, and until I see one, I can't predict two. Yeah, I like. I thought Andy's. he only had. Uh, I thought he only had three and a half sacks last year. It's seven and a half tackles for loss. Oh, yeah, I'm we're sorry. on the. I missed. Yeah, it. on the tackles for loss, eleven uh, tackles for loss puts him above Josh Uche's 2019 campaign. My whole argument is that, like, I watched Josh Uche that year coming into the 2019, and I was much higher on Uche coming into 19 than I am on Harrell coming into this year. So my argument's not as sound as uh, the other ones, but I'm just not as high on Harrell. And I'm a little higher on guys like McGregor and Derek Moore. Andy really's got me on the Derek Moore train, um, maybe taking away from some of that. So 11 seems high on the TFLs. The force fumbles seem too high. So uh, I'm I'm on the brakes on this one. No offense. I mean, it'd be awesome if Harold if Harold hits. Great shape. Great shape. I am. I'm skeptical. Let me be clear that I'm very skeptical of my own predictions here. I love Jalen Harrell. I'm more hopeful than anything with these predictions, but uh, just because of the snap counts, you know what I mean? He's played a lot, so it remains to be seen if he's capable of taking 
that far of a step, but hopefully. And with as good as he is at stopping the run, dropping in the coverage as we saw against Ohio State, he could often be used in packages where he's not the primary pass rusher. Like he could be setting an edge and filling in different ways. And Jared and I always talk about how he is like a B-plus everywhere, but he doesn't have any A-plus ability. So he's just a really solid guy. And he's going to give you a lot, but I just don't know if he's going to have that opportunity in this pass rushing room. Well, I think there's a world that exists where he leads this team in sacks. The, pro- it's the problem real. is... The problem is, I think it's going to be sacks by committee. I think this team's going to get a ton of sacks, but uh, Jared mentioned Braden McGregor. Uh, who do you say? Derek Moore. But let's not forget about Josiah Stewart, too. So I, I think these guys are going to be getting uh, into the backfield and hitting quarterbacks a lot, and I think Jalen is going to be one of those guys. Um, I just see it being more you know, by committee, ha- really having four or five guys that have you know six, seven sacks and and so, you know, I just I feel like that might be a little bit of a high number for him, but uh, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. No, it's a very uh, all edge rushing numbers are so hard to predict this season. Mm-hmm. All right, man. I, I, I'm excited about this one. I, I really wanted to pick this guy because, you know, I, I'm hopelessly optimistic as a Michigan fan. I'm always going to throw really high numbers out there. Uh, but no, that's that's not the case in, in this particular uh, case here. So. I went ahead and got running back Benjamin Hall. And Benjamin Hall, I mean, he there, there's not a lot of guys that are that are creating as much buzz as this guy is uh, after his spring game performance. I'm going to go ahead and just throw the prediction out there. I'm not going to justify anything. We'll see what you guys have to say. I've got him getting 30 carries this season for 187 yards and four touchdowns. Ooh, I'm um, pumping the brakes. Okay. Yeah, I, go ahead, Andy. I'm going to keep driving. I like it. I like I, it, Mike. I, I am just – I'm not as high as most people are. I understand, like, the allure after the spring game, but, I mean, we factor in the fact that Cole Cabana didn't even get a snap because he was injured, and then you have Donovan Edwards, you have C.J. Stokes, you have Kalel Mullings. That's three guys right there behind Quorum. I just don't know if he's going to get that kind of goal line work, especially behind them. Then we factor in the orgy factor in the, in the red zone. Like, if we have that in there as well, so that's five other guys there, not to talk about players like Isaiah Gash, who's shown up in big moments, secured the football. Like, until I see a live snap, it's hard for me to go to four touchdowns. Yeah, this one is just taking your swing because there's a very good chance that he doesn't even get on the field. Like, we just don't know. There's nothing to look at and be like, yeah, this guy, there's X amount of production that you can expect from it. He's got to pass a few guys, and we're going on what? Rumors from camp? I mean, I love it. Like, we're all kind of buying into those rumors from camp, but the smart move here, if you were a stock market analyst, would be to take the under here. Sell. I'm selling. Man, you guys are surprising me here. So I'll admit the four touchdowns was a reach, man. I'm really, I'm thinking about these, uh, these non-conference games and I'm like, somebody's got to be getting those carries in the second half. So I was thinking, I'm thinking, I I believe that Benjamin Hall is legit. Um, I thought you guys were going to go over on the yardage. 187 yards on the season is not much. much, I was kind of, I was kind of hedging a little bit there because somebody's getting redshirted, right? And and the fact that Cabana is going to be playing special teams, it looks like, um, is starting to make me think that Benjamin Hall might not make it past his fourth game. 
Um, how do you guys feel about that? Do you guys think that this dude's actually going to be suiting up all season long? No, I, I, I think you redshirt him, especially with Mullings yeah. and CJ Stokes having experience to round out the four. Unless you need to burn it, don't burn it. I actually could see it though, in a in a sense that like we're expecting a fifteen game season and we're going to be running the ball a ton. We definitely want to rest Corum and Edwards where we can. We know there's an injury coming. It's happened to every running back ever. I mean, Hassan Haskins is like the absolute freak that, you know, that doesn't happen very often where Hassan Haskins goes the whole season without missing a snap. Like, we're going to miss snaps from the running back. So I do think there's going to be opportunities. I do think we burn the red shirt. It seems like he's ahead of Cabana already. So let's go ahead and move Cabana down on the theoretical depth chart. But like Andy said, Stokes... Uh, Mullings, where's Tavi Dunlap? Is that guy still even existing, drawing breath? Gash. Like, we don't know. Isaiah yeah, Isaiah Gash. Gash. Yeah. Right. So it's just the other guys in front of him. It's just the fact that all we're basing this on is some like preseason hype. We haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. I love it though. I love. I mean, I think we're all kind of high on the dude, high on the player. Man, I you like guys surprised the, uh, me. I like the prediction. I think that it's honestly right on the money, Mike. I think that they'll probably end up burning his red shirt and you know one thing that's kind of like just un- untalked about is the fact that Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards both dealt with various injuries last year you know what I mean so you're gonna want to like Jared to Jared's point you're gonna want to rest those guys when opportunity presents itself you're gonna want to let Ben Hall loose against uh inferior opponents in the non-con at the very least you know what I mean because you don't. We're not going to be running it up the gut with Blake Corum five times in a row against UConn again. You know what I mean. So, to that point, I think that we see Ben Hall get right around your prediction. Well, speaking of running backs, uh, let's go ahead and and pass the mic to Jared. Uh, news news broke just this week that apparently Donovan Edwards had surgery on his patella or something something of the likes and was uh, was playing with an injury last he, season he tore it during the hawaii game missed the next two then just gutted it out the rest of the season with a tore. he did more with two limbs than we do with four yeah absolutely it was un- unreal um what do you think it's going to look like what kind of stats do you see him having this year jay storm First of all, you have no idea what I can do with four limbs. I'm impressive. I'm a specimen. But uh, second of all, let's get into Donovan Edwards, a far more impressive specimen. Uh, I've got him at, I I really labored over this because you want to go nuts with it, but you have to be like methodical in this and like dole out the touches. So I went with 1,100 yards rushing, 380 yards receiving, four touchdowns, and first team all Big Ten? I will say he's going to be one of PFF's highest-rated players. I think that he'll probably grade out as a better NFL prospect than Blake Corum, um, which some I know some of you guys agree with. So I'm extremely high on Donovan Edwards' season. I still think Blake Corum ends up having better stats. But yeah, 1,100 yards rushing, six touchdowns, 10 total. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. okay. you okay. missed you said six four. touchdowns the first time, and I was like, four touchdowns, that's it? <laughs> Receiving for four receiving, four my, receiving. Bad. my bad. I, I like that. My bad. I like that. I'm 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 actually going to pump the brakes. Uh, I Ooh. I think we see more than six rushing touchdowns. I I don't hate that's your accelerating. Yards. Well, well, yeah, but I'm pumping the brakes on your take, so it's like skirt pump the brakes. You're wrong. I'm accelerating. Pat, whatever, man. You don't know auto mechanics. Don't you understand <laughs> momentum? 
<laughs> just you're a biologist, man. He worked at a zoo. <laughs> I still understand that if a gorilla stops on his way to charging me, it's gonna hurt less. Not if Macari Page is in his way. <laughs> All right, that's true. Well, I'm I'm accelerating past your take. I mean, I I think I think nine touchdowns, uh, maybe even ten rushing. I there there's a world that exists where Donovan Edwards maybe even has. I, I hate to say this, but better numbers than Blake Corum. It's it, it, you know I, I feel it's like possible. we're gonna see we're gonna see like closer to a fifty fifty spread, I believe. So I think for that reason, Dono gets into the end zone quite a bit. It's I, I do I don't have a I'm not pumping the brakes on it. The only one that gave me pause was just pumping the receiving numbers up, but thinking about like use and then how we're talking about Cornelius and Colson Loveland and other tight ends. Like I think it's probably the good number right there. So I think you nailed it. Hell yeah! I love. I mean, for all for all of mine, I looked up like a player that I imagined, and for that, uh, for this, for Donovan Edwards, I looked up the Clemson running back that was with uh, Trevor Lawrence, whose name escapes me right now. Um, Etn, Etn. E- I, yeah, I was like, all right, I think it's like an Etn type of season. So for all these, I just tried to think of a comp, and I like went off of that, and like Donovan Edwards, Travis Etn. There's some there's some similarities. All right, well. I- I don't know if you learn about mutants in biology or not, but, well, I guess mutations is a thing. Uh, they call this guy the mutant. Um, Chris Jenkins. <laughs> that, was, that was a stretch of a segue, but just run with it, guys. Just run with it. Michael's going to start <laughs> calling him the Punnett Square next. Um, <laughs> d- did you guys hear the stat during um, Trevor Keegan's Those Who Stay segment that Chris Jenkins did a, a Turkish get-up, the exercise with a 180-pound like dumbbell? So yeah, it's worth like, it's that is if you don't know what a Turkish getup is, please look it up and understand that Chris Jenkins did this with 180 pounds in one arm. So it is frightening to think about. Um, one of my favorite players on the team. I mean, I have a, a bunch of Chris Jenkins takes doing this season. It might be the jersey this year. Love everything about him on rewatch. So the stat line, I tried not to go too crazy in terms of being me. So I went with 60 tackles, eight TFLs, and four sacks. No pushback. I'm I'm yeah. locked in, baby. I'm home free. It's my my, all- my reasoning was like last season he had fifty four three and a half TFLs and two sacks. There's no Mozzie Smith. He's put on 10, 15 pounds of muscle. We're all expecting him to take this leap. It just seems very reasonable that this is like the baseline for what he could achieve. How about seven and a half sacks? If I'm gonna push in any either direction, I might pump say, these get numbers a little, up. These are rookie numbers. Rookie numbers. Maybe maybe like put the pedal down a little bit. Get a little lead foot in there. <laughs> get. I gotta get out of first gear here. No, that, I, I think so. Let's too, get out of town because you and I have had this funny just like progression all off season about like. Now, Chris Jenkins is okay. Now, he's really good. No, he's fucking incredible. And then it's just like now we're gonna get like Chris Jenkins matching tattoos. Yeah, it's starting. <laughs> Pick the weekend. It's starting to feel like Chris Jenkins may be the most impactful player on this defense. I know, I, I mean, you could say Will Johnson, but that's like almost a different type of impact. Like it, it's yeah. very hard. Like when you start to think about who is going to be like the dude on this defense, it all starts right there in the middle with Chris Jenkins. I, I don't hate the numbers. I actually think his impact far exceeds uh, kind of like a yeah. Mozzie Smith mm-hmm. season, right? That the numbers won't, exactly show how impactful he was but yeah he's going to be the best in the conference and uh, really kind of an all-american caliber player in the middle there 
Yeah, no pushback from me either. I've been on a similar trajectory as you guys this offseason, uh, whereas at the beginning of this season, the offseason, I uh, didn't think like anything spectacular of him. And then as I've seen his progression over the offseason and seen some of the things that he's doing in the locker room and with his size, it's all very impressive. He's approaching Mozzie Smith level size, so... I'm expecting big things from him. I think that you're right on the money with those predictions. I think one of the most surprising things to me about Chris Jenkins last year was how much more productive he was in the stat sheet than Mozzie Smith. Like going back and looking at it, it was kind of glaring at the differences. And also, man, I feel so bad for my boy Trevor Keegan, like catching the most unnecessary stray during Jenkins's uh, those who stay because they're doing their, their hold off with the weights. And it's obviously Trevor Keegan. He drops it. And then Jenkins <laughs> is sitting there shrugging with it. I'm like, man, this is, <laughs> this is tough. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, he could easily land on. Uh, Feldman's freaks list yeah. this season. I know Aiden Hutchinson and Mozzie Smith were both on the top of that. I wouldn't be surprised if he's somewhere near the top. Uh, Matt, let's move on to your next pick. I got to admit, I, I've actually never heard of this guy that you picked. Uh, Balake Corum. <laughs> Balake Corum. Uh, you got some stats for him? I do. It's actually pronounced uh, Corum. But <laughs> okay. let's see. And I actually, after hearing you guys' Donovan Edwards takes, I don't think that you guys will really be uh, pumping the brakes on me too much here. I think I see a little bit of a dip for our uh, former Heisman hopeful. And that's, again, no shade to him. I just think that Harbaugh's going to want to preserve him a little bit. Uh, everyone already knows what this kid can do. But I've got him going for 200 carries. 1,200 yards, and and still a healthy amount of touchdowns. I've got him 12 teddies to finish the season, but a slight dip from what we saw last season. But at the same time, I think we're going to see some other guys eat as well as the passing game. Go, go ahead, Andy. I mean, I'd say I'd say accelerate the touchdowns because early on they're going to probably want to keep him in the Heisman race. He's going to have a four-tutty game early. So other than that, I like where your head's at. I think that, yeah, we all kind of see it the same way. But I'll, I'll pump the tutties up. It's Yeah, it'd be, that would really be the only thing for me. This is a really good line because we're projecting Edwards to step up, get some more carries throughout the roster, uh, more balance in the offense. May, we're, we're never going to get 50-50. Like, I know Harbaugh can say that. He can also say the sky is, you know, made out of watermelon. But, like, it doesn't make it true. Like, this offense is going to be, like, like 57, you know, 30. Like, it's just not going to happen. So I do think there's going to be more of a balance to it. So I think these numbers are really spot on. What was your yardage there, Matt? I missed your yardage. 1200 oh yeah spot on that's exactly what i was thinking um and yeah and and again if if uh and we don't want this to happen but if quorum or edwards gets nicked up at a certain point if either one of those guys has to miss time i think the other guy immediately gets catapulted into the heisman conversation because they will clearly be uh racking up ridiculous numbers so i think if we're lucky we see a 50 50 style performance out of those two um, it so sounds like we're all in agreement there. Well done again, Matt. Um, all right, this next guy, I, you know, I got a receiver here. I feel very strongly about this. This was a guy we talked about on y'all's podcast as well. Um, I got Roman Wilson. Um, I'm going to say 70 catches, 1,014 uh, receiving yards, 12 touchdowns, a, a breakout <laughs> season 
a breakout <laughs> season from Roman Wilson. I feel strong about this, guys. This is my hot take of the season. This is this is it. Um, since I'm actually kind of kind of uh, moderate on my JJ predictions, I th- this is my hot take of the season. Roman Wilson goes for a thousand. I like the wor- I do like the word out of camp in, in your defense that Roman Wilson is flashing physically, like he's put on some muscle. Uh, really, really just locked in right now. I mean, there's been arguments for him being one, uh, but we all we've all expressed how we feel about CJ. So I'm still digesting the take and working through it with our touchdown numbers. The 12 touchdowns really gives me pause in this offense. Go ahead, Matt. I'm just gonna have to. I'm just gonna have to pump it way down because it does no good for my Cornelius Johnson narrative. Um, I think that Roman is a very dynamic receiver. He's a weapon. I just don't see him coming, coming super close to that. I think he's uh, more down in um, maybe even like Cornelius Johnson territory from last season. Um, I just need to see more of him consistently from a, a staying healthy perspective all yeah. the way through the season. And what? I think that he can more, he's more than capable of reaching that total. It's just, can he stay healthy to do it? And then I also think that Cornelius eats a lot this year. So I got to pump the brakes on it. Yeah. I, uh, the other night went to a party and met the, uh, the weather girl. She does the weather for St. Pete. It, it, tremendous. I've always wanted to meet a weather girl way out of my league. Sometimes you just got to shoot your shot. And uh, I appreciate that. You know, I never had a chance with the weather girl. I don't think you have a chance with the Roman Wilson 1200 yard receiving, but nonetheless, you're shooting your shot and I respect it. So, uh, you know, for my, uh, my love for the weather girl and for your Roman Wilson love, I'm not going to pump the brakes. I'm going to let you shoot your shot, but it's bold. It is bold, sir. Man, I appreciate that. So you basically disagree with me, but out of respect or <laughs> not out of respect the for the shot. I'm not going to pump the brakes. I am continuing on in this car with you off the edge like Thelma and Louise. Uh, well, you know, you, you got Braylon Edward. I, I, I think that's Braylon behind you there. You got a number one uh, receiver sure is. behind yeah, you. And and to me, I'm just I'm just just fiending for a thousand yard receiver, a true wide receiver one. And I, I know guys, I know that Roman Wilson does not have the prototypical uh, physical characteristics of what you would think of as a wide receiver one, but I've been watching him from last season. I actually believe that he can turn underneath routes into big plays. And I, I believe he can also get over the top of defenses. And I believe that him and JJ have strong chemistry. I think it's a recipe for a, a, a thousand yard season. And I'm sticking to it. I'm riding with it. I have I have an article coming out tomorrow, shameless plug, and it's breaking down like five key plays for this upcoming season based off last year. And one of them is a dagger concept, which is Michigan's favorite deep uh, deep play action shot. And if Roman Wilson is going to get these numbers, it's going to be based off this. It's the touchdown you saw against Hawaii, the one that was taken off the board against TCU, the one that was held against Michigan State. It's the deep post from the slot with the X receiver running a dig in. And this is one he could eat on because, I mean, you could do a lot of catches and a lot of damage on minimal receptions. All right. A little baby Aiden, uh, Braden McGregor. Jared? Yeah, this is a guy that I've been in and out in, back in again. This is like basically the Michigan basketball experience embodied in a player. Then I heard him on Jansen, and I was back in again, baby. He's had a wild ride at Michigan. And honestly, like – 
the timing of some things getting injured and then the COVID year, but then you see him flash and he flashes in big games. I've always liked guys that flash in big games. That means you've got that dog in you. Braden McGregor, 24 tackles, six and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, second team all Big Ten. Pumped breaks. For second, I mean, it, big second team all Big Ten is the one I, I can't get there with that. Like other ones, I you can you can get me there. The sacks, I, I kind of want to push back on, but it's really the second team all Big Ten in this conference that really gives me the most pause with McGregor just because of the inconsistencies. It drives us crazy, as you described it so eloquently in the beginning. I'll never forget the Jared Stormer experience of quoting it during the Ohio State game. All great. He's in. (laughs) In reference to McGregor checking in the game. Like, we weren't feeling the best about it. But then he played his ass off. So it's like, if you can get that all the time, it's great. But if he's going to keep getting washed in zone runs, then he's just going to, like, be off the field again. So... I, I, I really I hope it for him because he's so easy to root for. His story of what he overcame. So I really hope you're right. But second team all big thing just takes me a little too far. I'm also uh pumping the brakes. Mike can can testify. I've been uh a little bit tough on Braden McGregor over the last year. I just gotta see more, man. You know, he's uh he's supposed to come in and, and is labeled as like this this hutch uh in in training you know what i mean but we have yet to see it culminate on the field i love the guy i loved that interview that he did on jansen i think that he's very easy to root for Uh, a lot of heart great story i just got to see it transition into being one of the top players on the university of michigan defense before i can uh, buy into him like that so i'm pumping the brakes on you for now buddy uh, Michael, would you like to pump the brakes before I rebuttal all of you? You idiots, you simpletons. <laughs> well, I tell you what, man, I, I, you know, you mentioned Michigan basketball and a name comes to mind when, uh, when you think about Michigan basketball, I'm over here, I'm thinking about Brandon Johns, right? It was like every, every single year. It was like this guy, he shows, he shows a ton of talent. This is his year. He's going to take the step. And I, I, I pray that that's not the arc that we get out of Braden McGregor. I pray that we get this kind of upward curve in his his final season here. But um, I I, j- I just I don't know if we're gonna get it. It's 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 hard. Um, six and a half sacks. I did say we're gonna see uh, uh, sacks by committee. I could see him getting maybe five and a half. Uh, second team All Big Ten is where you lost me. But because you didn't pump the brakes on me out of respect. I'm going to go ahead and just not pump the brakes on you out of respect and return the favor, even the playing field. So, yeah, you can call these guys idiots. I'm just going to ride with you for really no reason. You didn't pump the brakes, but you're like holding your hands above my left knee. Like at any moment, (laughs) like I don't trust you whatsoever. Um, The Brandon Johns comparison. Come on now. Give me a break. That would be like if Brandon Johns had like a 2010 and a three block game in a like prominent tournament game. You know, Brandon Johns never had anything like that. Braden McGregor has had quality, important snaps in big games, and not just Ohio State against Michigan State as well, and in both Ohio State games. So he's shown up in big games, and a lot of the reasons his consist his consistency has lacked has been to injury, has been to guys in front of him. Now I think there's finally a chance for him to show up. I'm going to choose the senior 
over Derek Moore. And you're going to pump the brakes, and then you're going to say, like, Benjamin Hall. I've seen stuff from Braden McGregor. You've seen nothing from Benjamin Hall. You've seen nothing from Derek Moore to be like, that's the guy. I actually have snaps to look at of Braden McGregor succeeding in big games to be like, there is enough on tape to suggest that guy has something else in him that hasn't been shown yet due to a variety of factors, due to injury, due to bad timing, due to players in front of him. And the Aiden Hut, I hate the Aiden Hutchinson thing. I was guilty of that too. They have the same haircut and they're white and they're built like 6'6". I get it. They're different types of players. Braden McGregor actually does some interesting things in coverage and like dropping back and he's pretty fluid actually. I think there's some stuff we haven't seen. So your pushbacks are all valid. I get it. I'm calling my shot with Braden McGregor and I've already been wrong on him thrice. I've been wrong on him every year. I might be wrong on him a fourth time, baby, but here I am on my hill taking shrapnel rounds for Braden McGregor. I That's it. One of my favorite things you said is, you know, I've snaps of him succeeding. It's like, I might have more snaps of him not succeeding. <laughs> might be the one pushback there. But no, man, like, who doesn't want it more for this kid? Everything he went through, football career was almost ended after his freshman season. The flashes. I love your coverage point because he is excellent in coverage and has no business like being that athletic. It's just putting it all together. Maybe getting some more bend looks a little stiff at times, but I would love to be wrong on this one. I'm over here looking. I think up Braden Brandon. McGregor needs to hear all those great things that you just said about him. I'll send it to him. I will happily give that man a calf massage if he needs it. I'm not gay. <laughs> With what <laughs> would matter if you were? Uh, we've talked about Harold. We've talked about McGregor. What are you guys thinking this year? This isn't on our sheet of Derek Moore this season. The same <laughs> six six sacks. You know, like uh, six sacks for everyone across the yeah, board. I mean, that honestly, that's kind of how I feel, right? I think the we got edge four room guys. is just such a yeah. mystery this year. Well, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, let me give you this analogy: If you have a front four and it's an obvious third down situation with the game in the balance, they're going to pass the ball. What front four are you putting out there? Mason Graham, Chris Jenkins, uh, J- maybe maybe Jalen and Derek Moore. Maybe Derek Moore hits the the field there. Um, what about Josiah Stewart? I don't know. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> See, yeah I think that's the man. way. I think that's the way we, we could need all be wrong. Yeah. Like it's, it's we could I all be know, wrong. Don't know who it's going to be in these situations. It could be McGregor at that point, but it's like that's going to be something to watch. Like that NASCAR package and obvious third down situations. What four are going to be out there? I think that's what makes the edge position on this year's team probably the most intriguing out of all of the positions, especially with cornerback just being filled. I think that edge is still probably the biggest question mark that remains because, I mean, we've seen all these guys do great, like, at times. You know what I mean? But it remains to be seen just how great that uh, that they'll be following, you know, Braden McGregor not having a great season or Josiah Stewart transferring from a lesser conference, you know what I mean? So, or Derek Moore not really getting substantial playing time as a younger player. So, so many question marks going into it. It's really going to be interesting to see really how it all plays out. And I know everybody was wondering, so let me just go ahead and state, Brandon Johns did have uh, two 20-point games. (laughs) So... I'm over here. I'm over here scrolling. I'm looking up, and then I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show him." I looked at the games. It was 
it was Nebraska. Not and consequential. Rutgers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were not good games. So anyway, yeah. yeah, maybe it was a bad comparison. And any guy that's going to get a, a a Michigan tattoo, I mean, I, I I'm just going to ride with that guy. So I'll, I'll I'll hop on. You know, go to the loony bin with you on that one, man. Buddy, I'll um, buy you waffles, whatever you want. You don't even have to ask. You don't you don't need to defend any of your takes with me. You're you're in my graces. Does Ann Arbor have any like chicken and waffles places? We'll find think... waffles. We'll find I waffles. I'm trying to think of he NIL already found deals us. for he our new. This morning. Yeah. <laughs> hey Zing zing. Oh, yeah, we gotta go have like a uh, call it nervous bird and waffles or something, man. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Um, Mike Sander still Andy. This, oh man, again, this is so difficult to place without being like overly hyperbolic with what he could be. I, I know everyone here is a Mike Sainerstil fan. If you have two eyes and a heart, like you're a Mike Sainerstil fan. So this season, I'll give you the numbers 70 tackles, eight tackles for loss, four interceptions. I, I'm just pumping the brakes on the tackles again for the same reasons as Rod Moore. I don't really have a creative rebuttal. I just think we're going to do really great in the linebacker core. I love it. I love everything you're saying. I'm just slightly lower on the tackles because I think the linebackers eat. That's all. I got the tackles there uh, based off Dax Hill's stat line. In one last game, had 69 in 2021 with a better pass rushing front. Pretty good stopping the run. So I just went one over in 70, estimating a 15th game. No when pushback. What was your uh, interception yeah. total? I had Mikey going for four. He technically had two last year, but you do, they don't count if they're on a two-point conversion, which makes no sense. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm in. I'm in. Let's go. Let's ride. The man's got the jersey. I knew I could count on him. Let's I'm ride. not questioning the captain. Yeah, and you know he. the reason the tackles don't bother me is because of the way he plays. He seems to get closer to the line of scrimmage. Yes. Um, and so I, I can totally see Great that. Great point, now, yeah. Now, here, here's my question, though. Um, I, I, you, you didn't mention sacks, and I'm wondering. I, I, I see him having maybe two sacks on the season because we've, we've mm. seen him bring that, bring that blitz from the outside. Andy, do you see him getting any sacks? I do. I, that was a number that was hard he to play. He got a couple so, last year. Yeah, he had a pair yeah. last year. I think it's going to probably float around the same. Like, he's such a weapon at there, and where they rotate and shift their safeties and corners, like, they can disguise his blitz really well. So I, I do think it's in his wheelhouse. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see him creep up to three or three and a half this season. Yeah, I've been on the, the uh, Mikey S. All-American train for a while. I, I, I actually think he could have an All-American caliber season and and so he's going to need numbers at least that good to, to be considered and then also be kind of locked down in coverage I, I i could totally see it happening i think we're all in agreement there and also it's um, his second year playing the defense you know last year he was just a rookie doing this so now he get a whole year same system same first like repeat defense coordinator since don brown so it's like yeah i think mean, they're going to grow and mentor system i think he's going to find better ways to deploy some of these weapons yeah He's a freak. Yeah, and, and you know, it's 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 weird. I said, you know, I'm talking about Will Johnson, Chris Jenkins. Mike Sanders still is another one of those guys where it's like he could he could be the most impactful guy on this defense, depending on how it all plays out. We, you know, we have an embarrassment of riches uh, all over the field here. Another here, so. unscheduled question for the BHB boys. Who are Let's the four it. team captains this season? Uh, Mike Sanders still is still? one. Yeah. 
I, I got pick, I got Chris Jen- Chris Jenkins, uh, Mike Sanders still, JJ McCarthy, uh, Cornelius Johnson. No, no quorum in there. Oh, I'm shit. going quorum. Sanders still, JJ, and Jenkins. It's so hard because you think about people like Zach Zinter and Trevor Keegan. Like these old yeah. wily vets in the mix as well. I'm trying to really think of like senior players like that. Like even like a Michael Barrett, somebody like that getting a vote would not surprise me in this team. But oh, we know how hard being a team captain is at Michigan. So, but I think we have the right pool of guys there. Yeah, it would be interesting. Uh, is there is there a chance that JJ McCarthy is not a team captain just based on being uh, not a senior and there being so many other guys there. I think it's real. I think it's a real possibility. Yeah. I mean, it's been Kate McNamara was a captain last year. Didn't mean shit. So <laughs> you can be yeah. one. But I mean, what you bring to the locker room, everyone knows who, I mean, his importance and what he brings is from a leadership standpoint on the field, but just being a junior that could end up knocking him down. All right, Matt Cole Cabana. All right. For Cole Cabana here, I saw this, Kind of similarly to how you saw Ben Hall, Mike. And uh, with Cole Cabana, I'm going 20 rushes, 100 yards, and I'm giving him two touchdowns. I'm going to, you know, hit the gas pedal a little bit on you there, as Jared would say. I, I you know, I, I, I'm starting to feel like he, he's going to be a component of this offense. I think uh, he's going to get he's going to get his feet wet um, in the AJ Henning role early. I think he's going to be returning some kicks. He's going to be we're going to creatively get the ball in his hands and and now I used to think we were going to redshirt him. Now I actually think he's he's going to get on the field. I think he's going to. Uh, I would double those numbers. I would double them. So still still somewhat low, uh, but maybe not the touchdowns. But I I would say two hundred yards rushing. He might, he Where might I kind of saw it during my breakdown was like, okay, this guy's Isaiah Gash, essentially, is how I, I kind of see his role coming to fruition this season. And after I kind of said that in my mind, I looked up Isaiah Gash's numbers, pretty much the exact same numbers. <laughs> so I think mm-hmm. we see Cole Cabana sparingly this season. I neglected mentioning his special teams numbers just because... I don't know if he's going to be returning kicks. Nobody, it's been mentioned that maybe Samaj Morgan might return kicks, Cole Cabana. There's been a few names floated around. So I didn't want to make a prediction based on just those rumblings that we've heard about that. But I think as far as the run game is concerned, that we see a little bit of utilization and we see him break loose for for a, a chunk play and uh, and possibly a couple touchdowns. I take back everything I said. By the way, I t- I just changed I just changed my mind on the spot. I, there's just not enough to go around on this team. I can't I can't imagine Cabana get gets that many touches. I I, I can see twenty because I mean yeah. six rushes the first three games. I mean there's eighteen right there. So maybe he gets one extra the other two, and that's where you do it. But if you gave the special teams numbers, I think that's where the real argument is, and that's how he breaks out of the red shirt. Like if he emerges as the punt returner or the kick returner in one of those kind of roles, and like 
he could very much be in that A.J. Henning, Eddie McDoom kind of reverse specialist role if he earns it. Because, I mean, hell, there's a lot of guys ahead of him waiting in turn to get that role. But special teams is where he could break the red shirt. But I do think your rushing numbers are pretty accurate. You put Cole Cabana out against the first team, he might die. Chris Jenkins <laughs> would eviscerate Cole Cabana. So let's just go ahead and move on. I'm, I'm, Jared I'm, is so I'm down on Cole Cabana because he missed the spring game. Not necessarily. That guy just weighs way less than me, and I would destroy. I would die if Chris Jenkins touched me. Well, Giles Jackson did too. Giles Jackson was like a buck forty-five. He looked like a cross-country runner, but he could fly out there. I don't know if I, I don't think they're the same type of athlete, but I and mean, now I he's in the Pac-12 on... where he belongs. <laughs> yes, indeed. How, how much did Blake Corum weigh his? freshman season i feel like he was much smaller he was, i feel like he was like 180 190 he was he was thick like coming he's out. always been yeah. thicker than cabana yeah, yeah. what is Caba- mean, what is cabana weigh 65 i think Listen. 165 i'm at 172 is... and i would die on a college football field yeah so, that is awfully I'm gonna, light I, i'm out i'm out He's yeah. got. He's fast, but, though, right? That's the thing. It's, yes, it's, he's faster than me. He's gonna get caught eventually. Someone's gonna get him. It's the speed and it's the special teams because Chris Jenkins isn't playing special teams to kill him. So it's a bunch of guys that are like him, lower on the depth chart, coming at him, and that's where I think he could have the impact. Yeah, I mean, it, it's he's one of those guys that just nobody knows, right? That's the thing about highly touted freshmen. He probably does need a year to put on some weight. I think that's the most realistic scenario. So we'll see. Um, And then rounding out this uh, extremely long pump the brakes segment with our 20th guy that we're covering here on the Big House Bleachers podcast. um, I went with uh, James the Burner Turner. He is our new kicker transferred from Louisville. Um, I went ahead and looked up Jake Moody's stats. Field goals. I think he went like 30 for 35 last year. And I was I was feeling pretty good. I was like, you know, this guy's one of the best kickers in the country. Let's do 31 for 35. Just say he like has a slightly better ear than Moody just for fun. But then I really started to think about it. I don't think we're going to kick as many field goals this season, right? I think if we're kicking 35 field goals, then it means we're getting stopped. We got stopped in the red zone an unusually high amount of times this last season. Like I, I felt like some drives died that shouldn't have. I don't think that's going to happen this year. So I went ahead and toned it back. I'm I'm giving him 21 for 25 uh field goals uh which is right around that percentage that Moody made on his career. And then per, I'm going to say perfect from extra points. And then just for fun, I threw in there. He's going to be responsible for a two-point conversion somehow. So some somewhere in there he's going to be just involved in a two-point conversion. Yeah, I like it. That's a great deal of fun while not really uh, going out on a limb whatsoever with any numbers at all. (laughs) That is a very tepid take that I can completely accept. The yeah, the, the, the one to go out on is the two point conversion, but I'm with it. Like I'm not obviously. Gonna, yeah, I'm not going to scoff at fun here. Like you're like, all right, he's going to be Michael Vick on two point conversions. Like I'm down for that. Let's let's see what he's got. Well, you know, and I'm not going to predict our kicker. Thank you. I'm not going to predict our kicker to be like seven for 42 from field goals, right? Like I that just be would be the most excruciating thing ever. So I, I had to pick some like realistic numbers there. So the two point conversion was my was my my reach but uh 
All right, gentlemen, we've we've made it through. I mean, what a what a marathon of an episode. I I had an absolute blast. Um, Andy, where can people find you guys and and follow and and uh, just kind of let us know how people can stay in touch. Uh, you can find us uh, out of the blue podcast, part of the Fan First Sports Network. I mean, we have changed names a couple times. It's hard to remember where I'm even at these days. Uh, you can find me on the bylines at Maze and Brew. Have a couple articles coming out tomorrow. You can follow me on Twitter at UMAndrewB. You can follow Jared at JStorm303. He occasionally puts pen to paper, and when he does that about once a year, it comes out pretty spectacular, I will say. So tune in for that as well. You can find Jared also at MazeandBrew.com. You can find me at Boom. a beach bar in Florida, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you need to add to that, uh, Jared? I feel like that that about sums it up. It was perfectly eloquent. There's nothing more about me you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, where can people find you, buddy? They can also find me uh, at Maze and Brew, uh, where those guys are just publishing some elite content on a daily basis. Go check it out. Uh, if you want to follow me personally or any other ridiculous orgy takes that I have, you can find me <laughs> at uh, Maze Crusader or uh, uh, MazeandBrew.com for any of the articles that me or my squad are putting out there. How about you, Devil's, Mike? Devil's Three-Way, your thoughts. Go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got the Pope, Martin Short, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Where do you start? Who's on top? <laughs> well, that's how you finish uh, an episode when you're when you're you know somebody's kind enough to welcome you into their home. That's just how, that's how you that's how you wrap it up there. And I tell you what, listeners, if you've gotten this far in in the podcast and you're still listening, it means you're just a, a fanatical about Michigan sports and you're probably diagnosably crazy. But that's fine. We've reached the point in the in the podcast where there's a little gentleman's agreement, right? You, you you tuned in, you got this episode for free. You paid nothing. We 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 gave you this episode for free, so you owe us now. Go ahead and and uh go on the Big House Bleachers podcast and smash the subscribe button. That's how you can pay for this this podcast. And then also go ahead and go over to the Out of the Blue Pod and smash the subscribe button there too. Right? It's not going to cost you anything. It's just a gentleman's agreement. Um, if you don't, I know where you live. I'll find you. But <laughs> anyway, guys, <laughs> things are getting weird. So I'm going to wrap up. I had I had a blast. You can find me at WolverineChronicle.com or at WolverineCron on Twitter. As always, go blue. Go blue. <laughs>